0: Please join me in the Responsory Psalm that we use today as we begin Holy Week. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be forevermore amen Our scripture reading for our meditation today is the historical epistle lesson that is read on Palm Sunday, taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are your words, Heavenly Father, they are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Back in 1988, a Sunday school teacher from my church came to see me at the Parsonage one day knocked on the door and had a videotape in her hand, back when you used to rent videotapes. And uh, she said, Pastor, I rented this tape, hoping it would help me as a Sunday school teacher. I think you should look at it, because I think there's something really wrong with it. Well, I looked at the tape, and it was a movie called The Last Temptation of Christ, which maybe sounds like a nice, nice movie about Jesus, but it's anything but. It's certainly set in biblical times, but I sat down to watch it a little bit. I'd heard about it, of course, too, and um, it was a very underhanded way of quoting scripture, actually using the words of, words of Jesus in places, but putting them out of context and uh, Twisting them in such a way and sometimes putting two passages together in such a way that it ultimately was undermining the very teaching of who Christ is and the work that he had come to do for us and It it finally depicted his disciples as sort of fanatical followers of him who misunderstood what he was about and Who decided to make up stories about him that could allow them to make some money In 1970 when i was in grade school there was a movie that came out the rock opera jesus christ superstar a lot of people including christians flocked to see this because of the great music that was connected with it and the dance scenes and everything and inside of that movie there's a line in one of the songs that goes like this about christ he's a man he's just a man and it ultimately in a subtle way, again, makes fun of those who would believe that Jesus Christ is really the Son of God. A lot of times the the world likes to kind of pretend like it's going to give praise to Jesus in some way, but it's really doing the opposite. It's ultimately gutting the Christian faith of the precious message of, of who Christ is and what he's come to do for us. This biblical teaching of who Jesus is, the fact that he has both a divine and human nature, hundred percent God and hundred percent man in one individual that precious teaching in the Bible is constantly under attack in the world and that happens for two reasons first of all it it, it just goes against our way of thinking it doesn't logically seem to make sense to us it's hard for us to fathom that this type of a humiliation that that the God of the heavens could come down to earth and become this lowly human being like us and then even be treated as a criminal and ultimately die but it's also under attack because the devil knows just how important this teaching is in the Bible he knows how if he can destroy in our minds our possession of Christ as true God he's ultimately gutted the entire Christian faith now we might expect people who are are people of, who are outside of Christendom to attack this teaching about who Christ is. But what really is awful is when it comes from those who profess outwardly to belong to him. I'm going to read you a couple paragraphs. This first one is from a professor at a Lutheran seminary. I'm happy to say not ours. He writes, what do Christians mean today when they confess in the word of the Nicene Creed that Jesus came down from heaven and was made man? It is at least difficult and more likely impossible for Christians to take this language literally. Read one more, another Lutheran professor. We must interpret the divinity of Jesus, that means him being God, In a manner which avoids turning him into a bizarre mythological creature who contains both a human and a divine nature so if Jesus really is nothing but a man then what we're doing here today is absolutely meaningless and his death on the cross that we will be um, memorializing this Friday his death on the cross has no more meaning for you than going down and seeing somebody's dead body in the Blue Earth County morgue. Listen to what St. Paul writes about our Lord. He says, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's why when Jesus was speaking to a group of Jews who were questioning him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. What a statement that is. Before, he doesn't say before Abraham was, I was before Abraham was I am time is irrelevant to the eternal God and this is why all of the creeds made it so essential to make sure that this teaching about who Christ is has to be in all of them without it we have no salvation a theologian named Johann Gerhard said this the devil like an invading army knows he must overcome the main city in a region in order to conquer it, so he tries to destroy who Christ is for us. Just like when somebody take, one nation rises up to try to conquer another country and they go to their biggest city first to try to capture that, the way Hitler tried to do with, with uh, going into Russia to Moscow and so on. That same thing happens, he says, when the devil tries to take Christ away from us. Now, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, intentionally sets aside the full use of his authority and power and position as God in order to work out the details and the plans of our salvation, in order to to follow the precise prophecies that God had laid down in Scripture of all the things that had to be done for him to finally make a payment for our sins. And he retained, he retained and held on to his position and status as God. At the same time, he chose not to use those gifts and those attributes fully. There were times when we'd see little glimpses of it. There are times when Jesus in his ministry will show little shots, if you will, of his divine power, little miracles that are done. Or when he displays his majesty on transfiguration when he simply says in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's being arrested when they ask who he is and he says that he is Jesus and everybody falls back on the ground kind of just a little tiny glimpse of his divine authority to remind us his followers who he truly is there's a uh, little toy that we have in our house for my grandchildren And it sits in a box with a whole bunch of different balls and other toys, and it looks just pretty common in there. But if you take that little ball, little rubber ball, and move it about a foot, it starts to glow and spread lights around. Maybe you've seen those. When you just agitate it a little bit, it suddenly shows it has a different character. Kind of a picture of, of Christ, the Son of God looks just like the average person could have just fit in here today and nobody would have known who he was had the word not told us about him. But when he is agitated for the work of our salvation and to work out the plan of saving us, we suddenly see glimpses of his glory as well. In the late 1960s, there was a professor at Southern Illinois University who studied prisons. His name was Professor Tom Merton and uh, he he had heard about the abuses that were going on in some prisons down in the south and uh, so he ultimately went down there and did some investigative work sort of from the inside and he ended up uh, writing books about this someone took one of those books and turned it into a movie called Brubaker very interesting movie starring Robert Redford he's was the Brad Pitt of his day and in this movie Brubaker This man who's about to become the chief warden, the top warden in the prison, decides, first of all, to to enter as one of the prisoners and to go in and live undercover, if you will, as one of the prisoners with the intent of ultimately reforming and changing everything in that prison. Sort of a picture of our Lord Jesus. Christ has come into the world and, and appears to go into the prison that you and I live in, a prison of sin and death. A prison that is that is bound in time and all the troubles of this world but he comes into our prison and he looks like one of us he acts like one of us he he uh, lives out his life just like us except without sin but his intent is to ultimately destroy the very prison that we're in when he rises back to his authority and is placed on his throne of authority once again it's with the purpose of freeing you and me from our own graves from the prison of this life that we live in listen to what the book of hebrews says about christ he shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death now this was all done voluntarily The Son of God did this out of love. He humbled himself, became one of us to do it just to benefit you and me. And those of us now who have been brought to know him as this wonderful king from heaven, and yet who's come to free us from our own little prison, God loves to see in our lives when we reflect this same attitude toward other people, when we have a humble nature toward them, when we put other people first the way the Son of God did toward you and me, God loves to look into the lives of those that he's called to faith and he's going to bring them to heaven. He loves to look into their lives and see little opportunities that we have when we display the same humility toward others. Let this same mind be in you and me that was also in Christ Jesus that has saved us. Amen. Please rise for prayer. This morning a very important trial is beginning up in uh, Minneapolis we'd like to keep that uh, situation and our nation in our prayers Lord God our Heavenly Father we thank and praise you for the blessings that you give us in this earthly life Uh, today we pray that uh, you would bring true justice to this situation as this trial begins and that you would also keep calm and peace among the citizens of our land that we may live peaceable lives here in this world. Uh, We pray that you would give all of us hearts of love and faith and patience toward each other. And uh, we pray your hand of blessing upon all of us now in this holy week, that through your word, you may bring us to the cross of our Lord, and also this coming Sunday, to the celebration of his resurrection, which is a reflection of our own future resurrection. We pray this all in his saving name. Amen. Now may the triune god the father the son and the holy spirit bless and preserve you go in his peace amen